you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back and enjoy. Now here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome. As women, we tend to put others first. That's our nature. That's how we nurture. We love to help everyone succeed. We love to make sure that everyone has their needs met. But what about our needs? What about the things that we want to accomplish? What if we could put ourselves first? But how do we do that? My guest today, Joanne Zook, who is a negotiation specialist, is going to share her tips on how we can negotiate a better life for ourselves, how we can negotiate and get those things that we want and not necessarily what we need. There's a big difference between the two. So please help me welcome Joanne. Hey, Joanne. Hey, Jenny. Thanks for having me here today. You're welcome. So happy to have you here. So tell me, how did you get started in the world of negotiation? Well, gosh, it goes back a long time ago to when I was first working on my master's degree and I took some coursework in negotiation. I was actually, uh, I was terrified of it, first of all. It was a live negotiation simulation was my first experience with it. And I was terrified going in, but to my great surprise, I actually did really well in the course um, or in that, that portion of the course. I was one of the best negotiators in the class and I couldn't quite put my finger on why that was. So that that was probably about 10 years ago. And since then, I've spent a lot of time learning about what makes women really great negotiators? Because we actually are really great negotiators by nature and by nurture, as you said in your intro, by how we are raised as empathetic and good listeners, people who are always seeking to find complementary solutions that work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so really, I fell into it as, as something that I was interested in for myself. I had quite a bit of success negotiating for my own jobs, but I've had many jobs where negotiation was how I got work done. And it wasn't necessarily negotiation for me, but it was negotiating for assistance on projects or budgets or the staff that I wanted. And so over time, I really honed that skill as a woman and, and as distinct from the male sort of stereotypes that we, we know to be what a negotiator looks like. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so I, I started coaching women maybe five, four or five years ago informally through my work and helping them to negotiate for their, their salary and mm-hmm. over time really developed that into a business. Wonderful. And you know, when you think about negotiation, what springs to mind is usually you're negotiating for a better job, perhaps more money. But when you think about all the decisions that we make on a daily basis, you're negotiating. 
You're trying to work out what works best for perhaps either yourself or the other person, or maybe for both of you. And sometimes in negotiation, there's also compromise. Do you feel that that's the case? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a negotiation really is a process where two people who want to work together in some way, shape or form. So if it's a new job or, you know, if you're a business owner and you want to work with a client or with a vendor or with a supplier, respecting that both people are coming at that negotiation from different places, Mm -hmm. want different things. They don't necessarily want, you know, the opposite of one another. Sometimes price is one of those things, but not always. And it's a process where we trade back and forth items of, you know, higher value to you for lower value to me and work toward a mutually beneficial solution. What we misunderstand about negotiation is this idea that it's a a win-lose scenario where, you know, if I get more then you get less and that it's a fixed pie. And that's really not the case in most negotiation. Most negotiation has the opportunity for, you know, compromise, collaboration Mm -hmm. and creativity. Uh, that allow for even more beneficial outcomes than you had walked in thinking you might be able to get. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you try to find the win-win that both parties get an equal, I want to say an equal share, but maybe are satisfied with the outcome of the negotiation. Would you say that would be more up to that? Yeah, I mean, that's the goal of the negotiation, right? If you take, for instance, if you're applying for a job and you're, you're negotiating with your future boss, your future boss wants you to feel good about what you've negotiated. They don't want you coming to work resentful because you didn't get very much money or you had to give up all of your holidays. Um, Mm -hmm. They want you coming in feeling really positive about your experience. And and the same thing for you, you, you want to have that level of respect from the other person that they, you know, they've compensated you appropriately. They've listened to what the most important things were for you. So absolutely. I mean, there are a few circumstances like high conflict divorce and real estate deals where, you know, there's really no relationship to work on at the end of it. But, and, and in that case, it is win-lose. It's, it's about price. It's about who gets the most. But the negotiations that we interact with on a daily basis are, are actually really complementary and, and um, collaborative in nature. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about uh, negotiating perhaps with a child, you know, where the child wants to stay up an extra hour. And so you're negotiating, well, okay, we'll let you stay up half an hour. And, you know, I, I remember my uh, granddaughter was having a bath. And I said, okay, Lenny, you know, five more minutes. No, six. And then I counted with four. And then we agreed on five. <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, that doesn't sound like a fair negotiation, Jenny. I think you outsmarted. <laughs> but, but we, yeah, no, I guess it wasn't fair to her. And she didn't think it was fair either. But it, it's just an example of, you know, you don't want to give in all the time. And then that's just a simple negotiation with a four-year-old. But when you think about other negotiations and you're presented with an option, so for instance, you know, you're, you're looking for a job or you're asking for a raise and you want to perhaps have a certain amount and they counter it with something either lower or perhaps not what you were thinking about. So do you, in this case, I guess, compromise and say, well, yes, okay, I'll go with the lower one. Or do you counter and say, no, I believe that I'm worth more. (laughs) Yeah. So this is where it gets really interesting. And this is where it becomes hard for women to enter that negotiation conversation because we are so socialized as children in between the ages of five and nine is when our negotiation behavior changes. Um, Mm -hmm. At the age of five, there's no difference between girls and boys, but by nine years old, girls negotiate for less. And they negotiate for less when they're interact with male counterparts. So if you're negotiating with a male boss 
and they offer you 20,000 less than what you thought you were going to get as an offer. Mm -hmm. In your mind, what happens is that you start feeling like, oh, wow, I should be, I should be grateful for the job. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want them to think that I'm, um, I'm, I'm selfish and I, you know, I'm, I'm asking for too much. You might think that they're actually undervaluing you that like, or that that's what they value you as. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, one of the most important things that, you know, if you're in a job negotiation that you need to know is they're going to offer you the lowest amount that they think you might say yes to. They're never going to offer you where they want to land. Mm -hmm. And so your counter offer needs to be strategic. And, and as a woman, you might feel like, oh, I I shouldn't ask for more. They've offered me so such a low price. Mm -hmm. that I need to, you know, in my mind, I need to come down from what I was expecting. Um, So let's say they offered you a 100,000 just for nice round numbers, and you thought they were going to offer you 120 and you were hoping for 125, you know, in your mind, when they offer you that 100,000, you might go, oh gosh, well, I can't come back at 125 because they'll like, they'll just walk away from me. And so you then in your mind go, okay, well, what, you know, what might they accept? Well, they might accept like 105. So I'll counter at 110. And then you do that back and forth thing and you land at 105. But you know, you've really like you've left twenty five thousand dollars on the table yeah. um, or twenty thousand on the table because in your mind you negotiated instead of saying that out loud. So mm-hmm. you have to do your homework. You have to know what the realistic options are, mm-hmm. but also know that it's a process. Know that they're going to offer you the lowest amount that they again they hope they'll that you'll say yes to it. You won't win any brownie points by taking less money, and in mm-hmm. fact, you risk being less respected if you're not actually participating in in what's a a completely expected part of the process. So Mm -hmm. it is important. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Absolutely. And you think about, you know, back to your example of, well, um, you know, I really wanted 125, but I'm going to settle. And it makes me think about how some of us don't have that sense of what we're worth, you know, and and I want to talk about um, a conversation I had with uh, Wendy Hofford. Uh, of course, you know Wendy, or for those who may not know, uh, Wendy is a Clifton Strengths counselor or a coach, and she was in one of my previous episodes. But Wendy and I had a conversation the other day, and she was asking me, "What did I want to see as far as my revenue for the year?" And she said, "You know, what do you, what do you what do you hope to get?" And I gave her a number, and she said, "No, I, that's that's not what you need to do." She says, "You need to go higher." So then I mentioned a higher number, and she says, "Nope, not enough." And then I mentioned a number and she said, yes, that's what you should strive for. And she said, the look on my face was that I was scared, (laughs) scared of that number, but scared that what if I can't reach that number? And so now in a sense, I feel like I'm self-sabotaging myself. So how do you get over that? Oh gosh. Well, how long do we have on a podcast for that? Yeah, you know what you bring up is really interesting. And you alluded to it in the beginning of your intro. As women, we always think about what's the minimum level I need, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're taking care of everyone else. I'm taking care of my my husband and my kids and the house and my job and my like all the things. I'm I'm worrying about all the things. And and I always put myself last. And I think that's a really common, that's how we are socialized. We are, you know, the greatest compliment we can give women is to call them selfless. You're a selfless mother. You're a selfless mm-hmm. wife. You're a selfless daughter. Um, and, and we internalize that and we think that the opposite is selfish and the opposite doesn't, you know, like just by thinking about what we might want, 
that's not a selfish act. That's, that's a self-preservation act. That's self mm-hmm. No, there's, there's a whole spectrum between selfless and selfish. And I think we're so terrified of being considered anything other than selfless, mm-hmm. and especially selfish, that we, you know, we don't think about, well, what's in the middle? How can I have self-care and, and self-respect along the, you know, how I treat myself? And that's really what we're talking about here. You know, what's the minimum level? And you and I have had some conversation. What's the minimum level that you'd accept? Well, that's mm-hmm. not where you start because you'll never negotiate up from there. Mm-hmm. You don't walk into a negotiation and come out with more than you thought you were going to get. That that never happens. You will always come out with less than you went in asking for. That's what you negotiate. But uh, But if you don't know what that is, you're only going to be negotiating down from that minimum level. And then it's, it's actually not enough for you. Mm-hmm. And, and getting that minimum level is the best that you can do if you're really good and you're really confident. I mean, getting over it in, in life is, I think, a journey that most of us find ourselves on at some point. We experience that imposter syndrome and our friends say, well, what, what are you talking about? You're extremely, you know, you're, you're very experienced. You're the expert in this area. Of course, you should be charging more or of course, you should be expecting more. But we rarely come to that understanding ourselves. And so, you know, I think for for the purpose of life, it's a lifelong journey. But for the purpose of negotiation, I, I mean, what I teach in my course is around the seven most common things that the, the mindset, the blind spots that women will experience. So the seven most common ones that we experience in negotiation. And they are those things like generosity and gratitude and humility that sound lovely and they're they're on that selfless side of the spectrum. But when we are so focused on appearing generous, you know, we aren't actually advocating for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So through negotiation practice and the the way that I teach negotiation is helping you see those blind spots and knowing what the common ones are so that you can actively manage them throughout the negotiation. Once you get through the negotiation, you can go back to being your generous self and kind, but you've got those terms in place. You're now charging a higher rate or you've got the salary in place. It's really interim measure to help you Uh, identify what those blind spots will be and manage your mindset so you can stay in the game, stay in the conversation, follow the strategies and and negotiate effectively for what you want. And then you can have your meltdown later and go, oh my God, I can't believe they paid me that. Wow. Wow. Am I really worth that? But you know, by then you've got the contract signed and it's all good, right? You made me think of that commercial for winners. Start the car, start the car. car. (laughs) It's like, woo. It's like, yeah, yeah. But you're right. We think about all these things and what springs to mind as well is the idea of boundaries and not necessarily boundaries for everybody else, but boundaries for ourselves. You know, it's how we talk to each other or talk to ourselves. And the word just is one of those words that I I really try hard not to include in my language. You know, I'm just asking you, you I just need a couple of minutes of your time to talk about this. And it, it kind of diminishes the impact, doesn't it? Totally. I just, or I only have 10 years of experience. What do you only, mean? Only. Yeah. <laughs> we, we love to do that to ourselves. And, and again, we're, and I think we, we've talked about this, you and I, but there is a, a special place, a special amount of grief that girls experience when they're seen as ambitious. And so we're taught, we learn by watching others. We watch um, older girls in school be shamed for mm-hmm. being 
too confident, too proud of themselves. Um, I remember, I mean, I remember going to a very small school in rural Manitoba and I, I was always a really smart kid. I, in grade two, I made up homework because I was that much of a nerd and I wanted to do school. I loved it so much. And I remember always being the one to put my hand up as soon as the teacher asked a question, because I always, you know, I always knew the answer. I know, me too. (laughs) And in grade two, I got the strap for that. And it was a very powerful message that girls should not be know-it-alls. Girls should not be um, Mm. showing off how proud they are of their knowledge. And Mm. I carried that with me for decades. um, And and only recently, you know, came to find some grace around who that teacher was and what her experience was and tried to get a little bit into her head about, you know, where where her head might have been in terms of of shaming me for that behavior. But we do it. We do it to girls. We do it to each other. I see, you know, I see my daughters being harsher with their female friends than they are with their male friends within the workplace. Female bosses are often harder on Mm -hmm. female employees than they are on male employees. And this is taught to us as an appropriate behavior. So if you're not humble, then you get to be shamed. And when it gets to a negotiation, that costs you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your career. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're working for others, um, and certainly if you're a, somebody in, in business for yourself, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, those memories, they really play a role in our psyche and in our self-belief because so many of us, we tend to almost shrink into ourselves because we're afraid to know our worth mm-hmm. and accept our worth and to know that we deserve more than what we're getting. And, you know, it's so hard to get past that. Yeah. So being you- small, being small is what we are taught is the appropriate way for girls, for women to be that we can we can make in incremental strides we can move things forward step by step but you know the idea of a powerful ambitious woman it makes us a little bit uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. we don't see powerful ambitious women who are out there opening up doors for other powerful ambitious women right mm-hmm. so there's there's a dissonance there and I, I don't know about you but I certainly didn't have a lot of role models growing up and through my career I spent you know, 17 years in government. And I didn't have a lot of senior women role models who were the types of leaders that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of that is the challenge as well, right? We don't see people standing up and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm worth this. And I'm, I'm not going to, you know, work uh, 18 hour days um, and give up all that time with my family. So I really think about negotiation as a fundamental skill that helps us do two things. One is set boundaries to maintain a healthy life work balance but the other is take advantage of opportunities you know we know within workplaces that there's this this broken rung of women moving into leadership roles and it's because we're we're not putting ourselves forward and i talk to my kids about this all the time i have two daughters talking to them about the importance of just simply saying hey i know there's a position that's opening up would you please consider me for a promotional opportunity for the opportunity to to try that rollout? Men are socialized from the time that they're little to go after what they want. And, mm-hmm. and girls are socialized to put their noses down, wait to be noticed, um, always be grateful for what you've been given, be generous, be kind, you know, mm-hmm. be, be humble. Right. Um, and that leads to, uh, you know, over 
looking at our whole country, at the world, a wage gap, it leads to different, certainly different levels of, of women in positions of power. Only 40 women make up the Fortune 500 CEOs, 500 CEOs, the most, the biggest companies in the world, and only 40 of them are women. That's so sad. Mm. Yeah, I mean, And it's only increased by eight. I think it's eight over the last 15 years. Like it's, it's just not moving at the pace that mm. we need it to. I think we need to do more for the girls, you know, because that's really where it starts. You know, it starts at, at age five and there needs to be that encouragement that we don't need to settle, that we can shoot for the moon, that we can ask and deserve what we need to get mm-hmm. because then they become the successful women and then they don't need to feel that they have to diminish themselves to fit in, to be small. They can still be generous. They can still be kind and empathetic. But they also need to think that, you know, I deserve this because. Because we all deserve to go after what we dream, right? We'll be limited by how smart we are or how capable we are. But but we all deserve to go after the things that would fulfill us as people. So I, I agree with you. I think. I think there's a lot of work to be done with girls between the ages of five and nine. And one of my future goals is to have a nonprofit arm of what I do that can can support that work entirely. Uh, and that's where I would love to spend the most of my time. But we also need to support women who are working right now and who are not taking advantage of opportunities and who, who don't quite frankly realize how powerful they are in the skills that they already have. One of the things that just, it shakes me is that business schools are making tons of money off Mm -hmm. of teaching business students how to lead with empathy, which is something that women do naturally. Um, Before I started my business, I had spent about a year interviewing women in leadership roles. And so many of them have gone through, you know, gotten their MBA, for instance, or gone Mm -hmm. through executive leadership programs. And what I heard was the same thing over and over again, that they would go through the programs because they wanted the letters. They really, you know, they wanted that validation of them being smart and capable and all of those things, but, but that they actually didn't find the learning was all that remarkable you know, that their leadership skills didn't grow because they have an MBA and they took leadership programming, but that they often went, and I had this experience myself that, you know, I took the courses and I went, oh, okay, that's the name for the thing that I do naturally. Cool. Mm -hmm. There's a name for that. But did I learn new techniques? Did I stretch myself? Sure. In some of the finance and marketing courses, you know, things that were new content to me, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, but overwhelming women told, overwhelmingly women told me that they, they were underwhelmed by what they learned in leadership and negotiation. Like it, it was so focused on effectively teaching men how to be servant leaders and how to lead with empathy, which mm-hmm. is, again, something that we, we don't struggle with in general as women because of the way that we've been raised. And so when we look at negotiation programs in business schools, I draw a lot of materials from the Harvard School on Negotiation. 99% of them are about teaching women or teaching not women, but teaching empathy and how to leverage your core values. Mm -hmm. And, And it's just, I find it so ironic that we are now teaching men, and this wasn't always what the curriculum was, but the curriculum mm-hmm. used to be very much about that win-lose type of negotiation. But, right. um, but these days, I mean, we're, we're trying to bring more of that softness and kindness and compassion into leadership and negotiation, mm-hmm. but we're not at the same time teaching women how to overcome their imposter syndrome and increase their confidence going in. So there's a real disservice being done um, mm-hmm. for women 
at the ages of five and nine and, you know, at my age at 43 years old and, and all of their ages, really. Right. And even for me at 62, I mean, you know, you're, you're dealing with the idea. And so for me, it's a sense of maybe some ageism, you know, well, you're 62, like you, you're retired, you know, what are you doing? Like, why should you want to do all this? Well, I want to do it because it's something that I have the experience and the knowledge and it's something I believe in. And, and you're only 62. I I'm fully 60. expect to live till I'm 100. So, okay. you know, there's a long time left to go, right? You're right. Hi, it's Jenny. We'll get back to the show in a moment. But first, I invite you to check out my website, coffeewithjennyb.ca. That's Jenny with a G, where you'll find all the links to my episodes. You'll also find a variety of coffee gifts available for purchase, including my branded bag of Red Door Coffee Beans from Harrison's Coffee Company. As well, you'll find a link to join the Winnipeg Coffee Community Facebook group. I'll also be posting info about upcoming coffee tours and coffee nights. So keep checking my website for updates. You can also follow me on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. Now let's get back to the show. I want to get back to what you had mentioned, Joanne, about uh, role models and how women perhaps struggle. And when I first met you, it was through the Made to Grow group. Now, the Made to Grow group for my listeners, Nancy and Sherry created this wonderful community of women entrepreneurs. It is an opportunity for us to support each other, women supporting women, offering mentorship, offering the ability to share our successes, to celebrate our successes, to perhaps commiserate with each other when things perhaps don't go as well, but above all, being there for each other. And when, as I mentioned, I met Joanne when she offered her fearless negotiation workshop, which blew my mind with all the information that you're able to share about negotiation. And so tell us about your fearless negotiation workshops. Okay. Well, thanks for giving me the chance to talk about that. So I effectively developed the programs because I still have a full-time job. And as long as I can keep doing all the things I love, I will keep doing all the things I love. So I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching with women and I found that it was often the same conversation over and over again. It's, it's really about, you know, learn the system of negotiation, identify what those common blind spots are, um, learn about how to harness your empathy and your core values, and then layer in some strategies that work for women. And so after, you know, a lot of one-on-one time, which is really expensive for clients and it's, it's time consuming, I developed the programs into, you know, into customized programs. So, and I call them all fearless negotiation, but there are a couple of different programs and I'm still working on a few others that I'll roll out, but they're, they're digital programs that you can access 24 hours a day. There, you'll have an, a year of access if you purchase one of them and they're video format. So video workshops with a toolkit of resources that you would use to, to really build your negotiation strategy. Mm-hmm. So I have one that's designed for uh, women going through a job offer process and negotiating their salary and their benefits and their education and all the things that they're going to negotiate. So there's one that's specifically for that. It's really designed as a crash course. Like you're going to learn <laughs> everything you need to learn to negotiate your salary in about four hours and put your strategy together and, and have everything you need to go in and counter offer when they make you that low ball offer. Mm-hmm. And then I have one that's, um, it's a slightly different format. It's also a digital course for entrepreneurs. 
uh, for women entrepreneurs. And it's it's based on the idea that as entrepreneurs, we're negotiating every day in our lives. So, um, so it's also that workshop format, but it's really intended to continue to use over and over again as you continue to negotiate with clients and with partners and with vendors and suppliers and employees as you grow your business. Um, so that one I also offer in a live version of the workshop because as as entrepreneurs, um, Jenny, as you mentioned, the Made to Grow community, you know, the opportunity to get together and hear from each other about your challenges and your experiences in negotiating and the common processes that we go through and the fears that we have. There's a lot of value, I think, um, in building community around those topics and, and making it less of a scary topic in, in opening up those vulnerable conversations. And um, and I don't know about you, but I learned so much just by listening to other people's problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that's why we love podcasts, right? <laughs> um, you, you take lessons that you can apply to yourself, even if you're not ready to be vulnerable. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I offer the course in, in a totally digital format or a blended version, which is a live workshop and then all the same digital resources. Um, but yeah, so over time, I'll be developing a few more of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one that I'm working on right now called Negotiating Work. And it's it's about the, that everyday kind of negotiation we do in the workplace. And so over time, I, I plan to expand that and expand the work that I'm doing with, you know, with women, but also go into those younger areas. I'd love to do camps for kids and, oh, and opportunities to, to just get this content at a, at a bite-sized level to kids at, at different ages. Um, to help them understand that it is important to be your own best advocate. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I love the idea of all the different negotiation workshops and the different styles and so on. When we get together and we listen to each other, you don't feel like you're alone. You think like, oh, I'm the only person that has this problem. And then you listen to everyone else and it's like, oh, I'm not alone. And so then you can share your experiences of dealing perhaps with no, not getting that deal or, or, you know, like you say, leaving that $20,000 on the table. And that, that really hurts because it's like, oh, you know what? I knew I could get it, but I didn't. And what can I do better next time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So can I offer a special for your listeners? Yes. Yeah. That was so, so if anybody would like to take any of those courses that I offer, you can get uh, $15 off by using the code Jenny B. So Jenny with a G. Jenny B. And, uh, and that will give you $15 off any course that I offer. That's great. Thank you so much for that, Joanne. And I think your courses are priceless. How about that? Because honestly, I really didn't think too much about negotiation. But then when I had the opportunity, as I say, through Made to Grow and uh, I attended your workshop, I learned so much about what I deserve, what I can ask for, and learning about those blind spots. So Joanne, can you share with us what some of those blind spots are or any tips that we can use to perhaps avoid getting into those situations? Mm-hmm. Well, we're never going to not get into those situations. Our minds are always going to go there. But yeah, the, the seven blind spots that I like to talk about, these are the most common experiences women have. And uh, I think that we need to be aware of them. And if we're aware of them, then we can process them and we can direct our feelings towards a more positive outcome. So the first one is humility. And I, we've talked about that a little bit, but that feeling that, you know, we we need to be humble or people will think that we are far too ambitious or uh, cocky, right? And so that prevents us from being able to say, hey, I did great things. I've got 10 years, not only 10 years, but I'm really proud of my experience. So we ha- we do have to cultivate pride in the results that we've delivered. And, and so some of the, the exercises that we do is, is actually reviewing, you know, what you've done in your life and reminding yourself of all of the remarkable things that you've contributed. Mm-hmm. 
The next one, which is a really big one um, for all women, I think is people pleasing. Oh, and yeah. my goodness. And that's where we place the needs of others ahead of our own. And, mm -hmm. and of course we can't do that. We can do that in our lives. You know, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't be taking care of your children and not feeding them. But when it comes to a negotiation, it's not going to do you any favors. Making people happy means that, yeah, the budget's going to be lower, but they're never going to remember that they're paying you less. Um, mm -hmm. They're still going to give you just as much work for $100,000 as they would for one hundred and twenty. Mm -hmm. Generosity is a really important one that entrepreneurs tend to really struggle with. So we, it's, it's similar to people pleasing in that you, you want to be seen as doing what the other person wants. But generosity and entrepreneurship is a big one because we, we tend to undervalue the work that we're doing. And so we throw in extras. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I found myself even in my own business, I'd, I'd offer a program and then I would throw in a coaching session. Well, my time is worth something. And, and, you know, just because it's, it's something I can give and it doesn't cost me actual money. It still is valuable and it's important. Right. And so we have to be really careful about not being too generous to the point of, of now becoming not profitable as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, gratitude. So when we are overly grateful for things. So um, if you're in a job that you hate and you get a job offer for a job that you would love, you risk feeling really grateful and excited and, and just, you know, I will take anything that desperation comes mm -hmm. across and you forget that you have benefits that you're bringing with you that, you know, they are, they should be equally grateful to get you. Mm -hmm. They chose you because you are the best candidate. They didn't choose you because you were the worst candidate who, <laughs> who wanted to get, you know, who desperately wanted a job. Right. Um, and we, we often don't realize that being grateful and asking for more can coexist. We can be grateful for a great job and, and we can say, but that's not enough. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Faith. We like to take people at their word. Uh, the old gentleman's handshake, you know, you have a conversation about, and this is especially for things that are non-monetary in nature. So, you know, you might agree to a salary. It'll be in a job offer or in a contract with a, a person that you're working with. But it's all those other things. So, you know, if, if the organization has agreed to pay for you to go back and do some education or if they've agreed to giving you particular time off or like a block of time or having extra holidays, mm -hmm. you need to get those things in writing because you yes. have no way of following up if you don't, right? Mm -hmm. And so we tend to be uncomfortable asking people to put things in writing and there are systems in place that make us feel that way. Like the letter that you get, the letter of offer, if you're getting a job offer, it may be four or five pages long. It looks like somebody has spent hours writing this letter. Well, they haven't. They've, no, it's, it's a template. <laughs> they put your name on it and the salary that the lowest salary they think you'll say yes to. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we, we tend to psych ourselves up and place value on things that really should have no value. Mm -hmm. uh, number Six is myopia. And that's that's like focusing on just one thing. And mm -hmm. often for, for women, it'll be the, the number, it'll be the salary. Okay, well, you know, I need to get the right salary. And we don't think about all of the other benefits that we can negotiate for. So again, the vacation and the 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 expense account, and maybe there's a vehicle that can come with your your job. Like there are all sorts of different things that you can negotiate for. Mm -hmm. And if you're only focused on one thing, then it just becomes that win-lose kind of a scenario where you can create a lot of value by being creative. Yes. And then of course that unworthiness piece, that fundamental belief that we are not the, you know, the most valuable person. And 
we need to remember if it's a job, if it's a job negotiation, they chose mm-hmm. you. They chose you because you're the best candidate, not because yeah. you're the worst candidate. You were the best person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you're negotiating with a vendor or with a client, they want to work with you. So even if you don't think you're worthy, they want to work with you. Yes. And so we really do need to ground ourselves in that knowledge. And so, yeah, I think that the tips that I would give are really the same tips I always give, which are be yourself. You know, as women, we tend to overcompensate and think we need to negotiate like Donald Trump or <laughs> Victor Newman from The Young and the Restless, right? Yeah. We think that we have to be someone we're not. And that will actually work against us. Mm -hmm. Be the person that you are. Be kind and compassionate and generous. And that person who listens to others and you'll you'll be in a position of strength in a negotiation. Yes. Um, Definitely know the process. Understand what the steps are and understand that negotiation is expected. When you're starting to have a conversation with a partner, you know, that should be like, if you're an entrepreneur, you should have one of, you know, three or four conversations before you land on the final terms of what you're going to offer each other. It doesn't have to happen in a 10 minute conversation. And we often rush through it because we are so concerned um, and we're so uncomfortable. And then finally do your homework, like really think about and spend some time thinking about all the things that are on the table for you. Um, what, what are the possibilities and be creative. We are, you know, we are creative beings by nature and we tend to just focus on, on those one or two things that, that we know matter the, the minimum level, not all of the things that we could do together. Yeah. Um, and, and we limit our opportunities, our opportunities for career and work expansion, and we limit our opportunities to create healthy boundaries for ourselves. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Those are great tips, Joanne, and, and uh, also things to look out for in terms of blind spots. I know that I'm definitely a people pleaser. And my first instinct is like, okay, what can I give you? You know, and, and it comes from the heart because... Yeah. You want to have that relationship. So it's not just about the job or the money, but it's it's building that connection in the relationship. But we tend to, you know, not look at the big picture in terms of what we could get for ourselves. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, there's there's so much more to learn about negotiation. And so I'm first of all very happy that you are offering the different um, series of fearless negotiation. And I love, love, love the idea that you're looking at doing something like you say for camp for the little girls and and just building their confidence because up until about five or six super confident you know like they can take on the world but then it tends to be a little bit diminished and you know it's not always the boys or the men but sometimes it's the women and sometimes it's even the mothers or grandmothers that Mm -hmm. you know you need to be a good girl you need to listen you need to and it's hard to fight against that Little girls want to please their mothers, the teachers, the grandmothers, etc. And we we think that we're doing a good service for them, but we're just repeating what we've been learning all along. And it's not always the right thing to do. Exactly. So we need to create little little rebels all over the place. Yes, little rebels. (laughs) Little rebels are going to take on the world, and they're going to be more than just forty of the top five hundred. They'll be. Maybe they'll be all 500 mm-hmm. one Ooh, day. I like that. I yeah. Like that. Yeah. Shoot for the moon. Or maybe we just make the table bigger, right? Like it, it's not about taking anything away from men. It's actually about creating more space mm-hmm. at every table for more women to bring the skills that we bring to, uh, to decisions and to the work that we do in organizations. Yeah. I love that. Build another table because there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And I encourage everyone who's listening to please connect with Joanne. And Joanne, how can they find you? Sure. So if you're not ready for a course, I actually do a weekly blog where I send out an, a weekly newsletter to to my subscribers with negotiation tips and, and advice for how to incorporate negotiation into your life. So just go to joannezook.com um, and you can sign up on any page there. And you can also find me for sure on Instagram at, uh, at joanne.zook. And on LinkedIn at Joanne-Zook. But I think you'll probably have those in your show notes. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> we'll make sure that uh, people know where to find you and sign up for a course or for a workshop or just, you know, like I love getting your newsletter because I'm, I'm always reading new tips on negotiation. And just you have such a wonderful way of, of writing and weaving that storytelling into what can be something a little bit more, not saying negotiation is dry, but you know, when you think about business, it's all like business language, but what you offer is, is your interpretation, your take on the whole idea of negotiation, that it's not just a business deal. It's way more than that. It's basically giving you everything that you deserve and more. Everything you deserve and desire, right? Desire, yes. Forget yeah. yes. about the desire. So the yes. wants and needs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you again, Joanne. And uh, I look forward to more coffee dates with you. Me too. Yes, yes. Let's book one soon. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jenny. You're welcome, Joanne. So until next time, think about all the different ways that you negotiate for yourself. And if you're an entrepreneur, someone in business, or just someone who wants to make a better life for themselves. Consider connecting with Joanne and learning more about how you can negotiate a better life, a better world, and a better you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.